You are listening to a message from First Assembly of God. We are a church on a mission to restore everyone, everywhere to a loving and holy God. If today's message inspires you in any way, would you consider sharing it with a friend? This is just one of the many ways that you can be a part of what God is doing here at First Assembly. God, pray that in our last 15 minutes together, you'll bring your word to life in our light. We want to hear from you, be changed by you, so we can follow you well in Christ's name. Can we all say amen? Amen. Amen. Say it again. Amen. Amen. God is so good, and he's calling us to do great things for him. In fact, we're entering a season where we're reminding ourselves of what we already know, and that is that God has called us to be fruitful. He said, wake up, Jesus said to his followers, wake up, look around you. The fields are full. The fields are ready to harvest and the harvest in the fields are people. We've been talking about the parables in the book of Matthew chapter 13. And we, we talked about the parable of the seed and the soils. And you'll remember the story, the farmer goes out and he's scattering seeds, right? You know the story. Some seeds fall upon uh, the path, right? It's been trampled upon. And because of ignorance, the bird comes, takes that away. Some seeds fall upon rocky soil. And because of persecution and pain, the, the root in people's lives hit a barrier and they don't become fruitful. And Jesus tells next part of the story that some falls upon soil that has weeds in it, thorny Uh, sees thorny weeds are growing up beside it because of the lure of wealth, the love of money and the worries of this life choke out the seed and it doesn't become fruitful. But some seed lands on good soil and produces a harvest of 30, 60 or 100 times what was planted. And we're asking God to help us be people that are fruitful. This week, actually not this week, a couple of weeks ago, I noticed something that I'd never heard before in this parable. And I want to see if you see or want to see if you hear the word that Jesus uses over and over and over as he explains this parable. When Jesus explains it later in in chapter 13, we read this. See if you can see the repeated word. That seed that fell along the footpath. Are we on the right spot? Good. Listen, see if you can hear the repeated word. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message of the kingdom. They don't understand it. Then the evil one comes, snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, it doesn't last long. They fall away when they have problems or persecuted. Verse 22. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries and lure of wealth. No fruit grows. Verse 23, the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word. And it produces a harvest of 30, 60, or 100 times as much as has been planted. Did you hear the repeated word? Did you hear the repeated word? Did you hear the repeated word? I mean, here it is highlighted for you. Those who say it. Come on, say it loud. Those who, those who, those who, those who truly hear. Jesus wants people to hear. Jesus wants people to hear the good news. And let me start with you. 
Your first thought, probably like my first thought, is I've already heard the good news. Other people need to hear the good news, and that is true. But can I tell you, you need to hear the good news. I need to hear the good news. In fact, it is only the good news that saves me. It is only the good news that transforms me. It is only the good news that allows me to follow Jesus day by day by day. The good news is not for those that have never heard it alone. The good news is for every single one of us who are seeking to follow after Jesus because the only way you are ever transformed, the only way you are ever changed, the only way you mature, the only way you find forgiveness and grace and the abundant life that Jesus has called you to live is through the gospel. It's amazing to me. In fact, I said it to my wife last week. I said, it's amazing to me. It's dumbfounding to me. How many people have been following Jesus for a very, very long time? For a very long time. And yet as I get to know them, there's a piece of their life that they've never let the good news touch. Never. They know the verses. They know the story. They can tell me about when I accepted Jesus, that when they first heard the gospel, but then as I get to know them, get into their life, their marriage is, is a disaster. Why? Because they haven't taken the good news to the sin that is between them and their spouse. They've never said, Jesus, I need the gospel in this closet that I have buried in my life. Their finances are a wreck. They're in debt up to their nose. Why? Because they need the gospel. They need the good news that you don't have to live to acquire more possessions. The good news is that you are fulfilled in Jesus. You don't need more junk. So believers need to hear the good news. And some of you today, there's a piece of your life that is broken. It could be 25, 30, 50 years old. It's a closet in your life. And you've let the good news shine its light on a lot of things in your life. But there's this back room. That door is sealed shut. You've not talked about it. You've not brought it to Jesus' attention. You have not said, good news, come, heal this changes. It could be a regret that you have that is now ancient, but it controls you. It could be an identity issue that you're craving for something, needing attention, demanding this. It could be a conflict with your spouse and you could come to church, sit together, sing the songs, go out to eat and everything looked fine, but you both know it's not fine. What do you need? You need the good news. The good news is that everything that's broken can be fixed in Jesus. Because every broken thing, every broken part of our lives is because of sin. You've sinned or someone else's sinned, but there's a piece of you that is controlled by something evil and broken. And Jesus wants to set that free. That's the gospel. The gospel is both Jesus, I give you my life, I want to follow you. And we take those first steps, and for the rest of our life, until we're worshiping before him face to face, the gospel, the good news, that Jesus restores us to God. 
Every piece of our life that has been influenced by sin, Jesus wants to heal it. Jesus wants to heal it. Jesus wants everyone everywhere to hear good news. The good news is no matter where you are today, Jesus can restore you to God. So we need to hear the good news. But there's something about hearing. You know the English idiom, the American idiom we have, right? If the tree falls in the forest and no one is there to hear it, did it really make a sound? To hear requires a voice. You need someone to speak so someone can hear. Jesus wants the gospel to be heard. And inherent within that then is that Jesus wants the gospel to be told, to be spoken, to be shared. We need to hear good news and we need to speak good news. You need to speak good news in your home. You need to speak good news to your spouse. You need to speak good news at work. Wherever there is sin, wherever there is brokenness, wherever there is worry, wherever there is fear, whenever there is turmoil, wherever there is tension, guess what? We speak good news. In the lobby, when someone is talking about sickness, disease, we speak good news. Jesus can heal. Jesus can heal. When you're at home and you're worried about your financial situation, you're at home and you're worried about a conflict in your family, when you're talking with your spouse about your teenage son or your young daughter that is heading in the wrong direction and you sense, oh no, God, there's fear, there's worry, we're concerned. Speak good news. Jesus can redeem our child. We need to hear good news and speak good news. It begins here, but it cannot stop here. It begins here, but it cannot stop here. Every follower of Jesus is to hear good news and to speak good news, and we've all been sent to proclaim it. Jesus said this in John chapter 15, you didn't choose me, I chose you. As we listen to our missionary guests, we say, wow, God chose them. No, God chose all of us. I have chosen you. I have appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. Paul put it this way. How can they, this is Romans chapter 10. How can they call on him? How can they call on Jesus to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone is talking about him? And how will anyone talk about him unless they're sent? Jesus already sent us. And so we're speaking. And in that speaking, people are hearing. And in the hearing, God is calling them. So it kind of looks like this. This is how I would lay that out. There are people in your life today that need to call on God. There are people in your community, people in your workplace, people in your family that need to call on God. And there are people who are being sent. That's us. And Jesus has sent us to people who need to call on God. And in the middle is this length of time where those that are being sent and those who need to call on God are engaged in a relationship where there is telling There is hearing and there is believing and then they call on God. This is what Grant was talking about that 
he said, and it wasn't facetious, eight years. I said, how long, does it, how long might it take? Eight years. How long might it take to sit with an ISU student? Weeks, months, maybe they never call on the name of the Lord. But until this interaction is happening, those who need to call on God can't. Because how can they call until they believe? And how can they believe unless they hear? And how can they hear unless they are told? And unless the sent ones get in the mix, it doesn't happen. That's what Kingdom Builders is really all about. When we talk as a church about equipping every person to do this, this is where we're headed over the next five years. It's where I'm headed personally to be better equipped to share the love of Jesus with the lady who cuts my hair. To share the love of Jesus to the people I meet in the community. To share the love of God with those who serve on my homeowners association with me. Better equipped to tell so people can hear and people can believe. So what we're talking about, why we're giving the one and a half million, and that's why we believe that God is asking us to partner with him. Let me briefly explain how this is different. Some of you, some of you have been so faithful for decades in giving to missions, and this is a little bit different. I want to share with you the difference. The difference is our church has had a culture of giving to global missions that's been excellent. It's been fantastic. But as one staff member who served here about a decade and a half ago said, I love First Assembly's heart to give to missions, but they struggle how to live missions. I said, wow, that's, I think that's what we're, God is calling us to remedy in this season of our church. And so we're shifting our terminology from, hey, we're giving to the globe and we're sending missionaries to doing that and more and investing in local missions and our next generation and the globe and doing it all. So let me just demonstrate what that kind of looks like as a church. So on March First, the first Sunday of March will be our first Sunday to say, God, we're going to give to global, local, and next generation mission. And we're going to pull together as a church to generously and sacrificially give like we've never given before to see this process of sent ones and called ones interacting together. And to do it financially, to do it generously, we're going to make a couple of changes. Like in our church right now, we've got a lot of giving buckets a lot of things happening. So on any given Sunday, we might talk about tithing. We might talk about global missions. We've got those two buckets we're asking people to give to, but there's a lot of other things that keep coming up. Like we're going to send a, a missions trip. Oh, we've got the old First Assembly logo there. Give to a missions trip to Belgium. So we want you to give to that too. We've got a remodel project. We need you to give to that too. And then we need to uh, reduce the mortgage there. We've got a benevolence need. We've had to redo the parking lot. And the list goes on and on and on. And pretty soon it seems like every few months or maybe every six months or so, there's a new emphasis and money keeps being diverted. And sometimes it can get confusing on what we're giving to and how we can rally together to make the biggest kingdom influence Possible, And all of these things are good. All of these things are important, but it can get confusing. It can get hard to have focus and to cast vision. And instead of seeing things in six-month chunks, what happens if we say five-year? Here's where we're headed. And we can unite together and to give some really big things. So there's going to be a big change. And so we're going to do this. We're just going to take these. Those are going to come off the table. 
And uh, we're going to do this. This is what Kingdom Builders looks like. Two buckets, right? Two. Tithe and Kingdom Builders. And we're going to take everything we're doing beyond the tithe and pool it together to make a greater impact over the long haul for the vision of our church. So you're probably familiar with the tithe. That's bucket number one. That is a matter of obedience. Where Jesus has said, trust me. In fact, in the Old Testament, he used the word test me. Test me. Put me to the test. If you will obey me in this area of your life, I will open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing so fruitful that you will not be able to contain it. So the tithe is where Jesus calls us to learn faith, learn trust, trust in his provision, and wait for God to show you that his life of blessing is better than everything you can hold on to to try to bless yourself. Blessing yourself will produce one kind of life. Opening yourself up to the blessing of God will produce the abundant life in following Jesus. The tithe is small enough that you can do it. It's 10%. It's small enough that you can say, okay, I think I might be able to trust God. I'm going to take this leap and I'm going to give 10% of my income and trust God to use it to build his kingdom, to do his work in the world, and I will live on 90%. That's small enough that you can almost understand it and grasp it, but yet it's hard enough and big enough that it really is a step of faith. Because most of us live on 105% of our income. And God says, if you will just trust me to live on 90%, you will be more blessed with less than what you are trying to hold on to everything and going into debt. It rearranges our life to the life of faith and obedience in Jesus. That's the tithe bucket. The second bucket we're going to be talking about as a church is the idea of kingdom builders. It's above and beyond the tithe. It's a joyful, generous, and faith-filled response to what God is doing in our local church. We're gonna be asking you to make a plan have a vision and a dream. Let me talk about those three things. A God-directed plan. It's wise to plan. It's wise to think things through. And we'll be asking over the next couple of weeks to develop a God-directed plan. This is a plan that I think God is in favor of on what I can do to give to kingdom builders. Many of you have been giving to global missions for decades. That's kingdom builders. We're not doing less. We're going to do more. Every missionary we support now is going to continue to be supported, and we're going to add. All the missions projects we do every year, we're going to continue to and add. It's not missions minus. It's going to be missions plus. That makes sense? Missions plus. You've been giving to missions. I'm going to ask you to continue doing that and make your plan. But then go beyond a plan and ask God to see a vision. What could I foresee God doing? I can almost visualize doing something more. If God helped us do this, this, and this, I could see us doing this. And then finally a dream, the crazy thing. Something that would, maybe you don't want to share with many people because they'll roll their eyes at you. But maybe in 2021 or 2022, maybe 2023, God could do something huge. And you want to tuck this away in your heart and have a dream. So as we obey God with the tithe and we develop a plan, a vision, and a dream for kingdom builders, we're believing that God 
will do incredible things through our church. Book of Romans, right before Paul talked about those who need to call on God, he said this, Romans chapter 10, verse 9, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and by declaring with your mouth your faith that you are saved. This morning, this may be your first Sunday here. This may be your 20th Sunday here. But if you are not living in God's kingdom, if you have not yet said yes to following Jesus, if you have not said yes to the good news, I want you to do that today. Could we all stand together? I'm going to ask our prayer team to come forward. They're going to be stationed up here. But if you have never said, Jesus, you can fix everything that sin has broken in my life. Jesus, you can take everything that has been broken and twisted um, and is out of alignment in my life. You can take it and restore it to God. You can redeem it and fix it. If that has never been uh, declared by you, I want you to have that opportunity to do that this morning. Would you just bow with me all across the room? We're about to dismiss in prayer. But if you need to declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you need to believe in your heart that Jesus, the good news, can change my life, then you need to pray that with me this morning. Is that you? I'm just going to ask you to make eye contact with me. Everyone's heads down. Hey, thank you, man. I appreciate that. Just make eye contact with me. Say, I know I need Jesus. I need good news to change my life. Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you. Let's all pray together as a church. Dear God, I'm so glad for your good news that no matter how sin has broken my life, my choices and the choices of other people, no matter how big the mess, your good news can change it. Give me new life. Make me a new person through you, Jesus. I choose today to live by faith and follow you as my Lord. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that with us and God is birthing something new in you, I'd love for you to meet our Connecting Point team and we'll do our best to get you connected to Growth Track and get you started following Jesus well. One thing before we go, we need to give a round of applause to the Lord for what he's done in in the life of one of our uh, church attenders here. His name is Les Alderson. I don't know if you know Les. He leads Celebrate Recovery Inside Prisons in the state of Illinois, and he was just selected as Volunteer of the Year in the Pontiac Prison. So can we give God thanks for that? That's awesome. Praise God. Lord, go with us today. May we live on mission at home and in the community in our places of work. God, as we look people in the eye, give us your heart. Give us your vision to see what's going on in the people around us and to speak good news so that they may hear and believe. In Christ's name, let's shout amen. We hope that you got a lot out of today's message and that you'll share it with a friend. To stay connected with what's happening here at First Assembly, be sure to go to the App Store 
and type in 1-A-G-B-N to download the app. Remember, God's created you for a great purpose. Now go and live it out today.